Is it on, Carl? It is on. Excellent. Excellent. Good evening, everyone. Uh, it's so nice uh, to be back with all of you today. Uh, we genuinely missed you. We, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to be here, and, uh, and we know that there's a, a lot of people right now. Uh, I, uh, McKinnon and I delivered some, some things to, to people's homes uh, that haven't been able to attend church in quite some time over the, uh, yesterday, and I got to speak with some of them and, and just you know, talk with them and, and things, and uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a difficult season um, for many, many people. And so uh, if, you, if you've got family or friends or neighbors or even coworkers, people like that, that uh, uh, come to mind that over the next couple days, reach out to them um, because there's a reason they, they came to your mind. Okay, it, it absolutely there is, all right? Um, now, for me personally, uh, the whole Christmas thing, um, I'm always, I'm, I mean, I'm an emotional person anyway. Uh, God just made me that way. I don't know why, but he did. And I can remember all the way back to, to even elementary school. Um, and every year we would have a Christmas program. I don't even think they have those things anymore. But um, every year they would have a Christmas program, and every year we'd sing very similar songs that said Christmas program. But I remember so loving that Christmas program in the North Putnam High School Gymnasium where they'd have the elementary school come and, and do their program. And, and I remember even as a young elementary student, uh, those nights would, would make me emotional. Now, part of it might have been because, you know, I also knew soon we would get out of school for Christmas. So that might have been one of the reasons I was really excited. But uh, always, it's always been that way. And then our, our church always had this thing called Hanging the Greens that took place just after Thanksgiving. And so we'd come and do some silly things and sing songs and, and stuff. But yeah, that night was the same way. And so I just can't tell you how, uh, and, and how important it is, how special it is that you're willing to come Take a step aside for just a moment in, in the craziness that is our Christmas, even in the midst of what we're going through right now, and just pausing everything and joining us here to, to celebrate the true, true reason for Christmas. And so I, I just genuinely thank you for that. Um, I, I don't know uh, how, how you feel uh, about what the world does with, with things like Christmas, but we humans, um, man, sometimes we make things just too complicated. We just... We just try so hard um, to make things the newest, the latest, the greatest, the, the, the bestest we possibly can that um, we sometimes forget that sometimes the simplest thing is maybe even the best. Uh, the simplest way to do something, the least complicated way to tell a story just might be the best. And that's really all we're going to do tonight here together. Uh, this story hasn't changed much. In the last 2,000 years, it's, it's pretty much the exact same as it was back then. Um, you go places, you hear it told all kinds of different ways to make it more relevant to today's culture and society and, and all of those things. I, I don't know that that's needed. Uh, man has, has so many times tried to take the miraculous and the, the supernatural nature away from this story, and we can't do that. They insist that the authors must have embellished or, or tried to, to make up a grander story to, to draw more people to Jesus when in reality his story is so simple. So simple. All they did was tell exactly what had happened. I pray that uh, you believe like I do that uh, this story that we read really happened. It really happened exactly how it said it happened. I'm sure there were more details that aren't included, but at least we have the minimum that are there. The account that we so often read from, from, from Dr. Luke was, is a very unique account because he, he didn't seek out to write a story. He sought out to prove 
a story, a very, very different concept. He didn't invent anything. In fact, he was trying to do the opposite. He was trying to come up with evidence for proof that this really happened to establish this event as a fact. And 2,000 years later, we're going to be sharing that with him. If you haven't read the opening of Luke's gospel in a while, I'll remind you quickly of what he said about what he wrote. He said, many people have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With that in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. He's talking to a man that is a believer, and he wants to make sure that this man is as thoroughly convinced as he possibly can be, as well as anyone else would ultimately read his writings. He's not trying to further a storyline in any way. He's trying to prove a story beyond a shadow of a doubt that is absolutely true. And so as we join together today and read this story once again, I want you to take on a role from this story. Maybe a different perspective for you this year would be to take on the role of Luke, the author. Imagine being Luke as he sat down <clears throat> to interview these eyewitnesses. We have no idea who all this man talked to to put this story together. But imagine as you're sitting there interviewing person after person, hearing this account, what is that doing to you as you write those thoughts down? Imagining how God might use these for generations upon generations upon millennia to come. Imagine the questions that you might have been prompted to ask those that had firsthand knowledge of this story, as you're inspired to write these things down. Imagine, if you want another character, of course, imagine being Mary. We've got some expectant mothers in the room. We've got some folks that have just had children in the room. We've got some folks watching online tonight that have just had children. Imagine what it was like to be Mary in this moment. Imagine what it was like for Elizabeth, who is already experiencing a miracle in her life, and she shares in this newfound miracle with Mary. Imagine being a shepherd, those simple shepherds that stopped in that night. Imagine just being about your business on that particular evening in the field, nothing special at all about that night until everything how would you react to supernatural events unfolding all around you? The words of the story are so few, and so God gives us the imagination to let our mind's eye wander into the scene. And how would you and your humanness have reacted to all of these things, all the while while you listen to this story once again? Never, ever, ever let it grow old, because this story is meant for you. As a matter of fact, everything that happened in this story happened for you. It's an incredible thing to think about. And if you ever get tired of hearing the Christmas story, then all I can tell you is you've forgotten who it's about. <laughs> Completely. So don't do that. Don't ever let this be just another rehearsal from the past. Never let this story become boring or routine. Always seek 
to make this story about how much God loves you. Because you're the reason he came. The stage is set in Luke chapter 1. The miracles have already begun. Mary's relative Elizabeth has already found out that, that she's pregnant. After living this long, barren life, unable to have children, her husband, Zachariah, a priest, finds out via an angel. He doesn't believe the angel. Imagine that, a priest coming face to face with an angel and not wanting to believe them. But yes, it, it happened. He was then, of course, stricken with the inability to converse with anyone until the baby was born. Imagine that long nine months of silence for an expectant father. Oh my goodness, what would that have been like? The child would go on to become John, John the baptizer who would prepare the way for the Messiah. Large crowds would gather to repent of their sins and hear that the kingdom of heaven was near. Mary, Mary was just a teenage girl. She wasn't anything special in the world's eyes. Sure, she had an impressive family tree, but her and Joseph's lineage was so long and distant past back to David that things eh, that had all kind of been forgotten by this point. For now, she just agreed to marry this carpenter named Joseph. Nothing unusual or out of the norm for them until that night. Yes, the Jews still hoped and prayed for a Messiah to come, Yes, the prophecies all still existed, but surely they would not pertain to a little Jewish girl from Nazareth, right? In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we read, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, oh, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child and is now in her, <clears throat> in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. 
If you're imagining the scene, whoever your character is that you're imagining being, whether it's Mary or Joseph or Luke, the author, or even the angel, getting to share this incredible news, something the angels have been waiting for, for all of eternity past, for this moment to arrive where God would put this plan into motion until Gabriel made these words, he didn't even know what was going to happen. Imagine being Mary. How would you have responded to these miraculous words from the Lord? In verse 39, we read at that time, we know what Mary did. She got up and ran out of town. She entered Zachariah's home. She went to be with Elizabeth in verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why? But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. It is an incredible thing. What an encouraging word from that relative, Elizabeth. I pray that all of you have an encouragement like that in your life. And maybe, just maybe, if you don't, I can't fix that, but maybe you could be that encouragement to someone else in their life, the encouragement of Elizabeth. Now, it seems like this next short portion of the Christmas story is often left out because we all want to get to the point. We all want to get to the night, the event that actually occurred. But I hate that people leave this portion out because it is so meaningful. This is the reality of how you and I should respond when God comes to us and says, I have this for you to do. This is who I need you to be. This is what I need you to do. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. Think of the tasks she's been given. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. Remember to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And then it says that Mary stayed a little longer with Elizabeth. She then returns home. As you can imagine, there would be lots of questions when she returned home about three or four months later. Now probably showing the questions didn't deter her. This fact, this song of hers that we just read, is exactly how she feels about the honor that she has been presented with. These words represent her heart. This is how she is dealing with the trials of her day. And as the world attacks her, and I'm sure they did, she rests in the promises that God alone has given her. 
do we? Do we? Do you? As our faith has been tested maybe throughout this last year, have you called into question how you will stand up for what you believe in the circumstances? Maybe you're considering belief for the very first time. We never know who might be tuning in. As the doubters pile on and the world insists that this is all just a made-up story, will you continue the pursuit of truth or you'll be sidetracked by the world? The story of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus has paused right here in this portion of passage just for a moment so that Luke can share with you the rest of Elizabeth and Zechariah's incredible good news, the birth of the son. Zechariah can now once again speak on the eighth day and names his son John, just as the angel had directed him. In verses 68 to 80, Zechariah responds with this incredible praise to his God. And it appears in this phrase, these words, that Zechariah understands the significance of what has just happened as he calls his newborn son a prophet of the Most High. How would he know that? Who has come to prepare a way for the Lord. Listen to just a few of his words. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Those are the words of a proud daddy who probably didn't live to see his son fulfill those words. But he trusted. He trusted that God would bring those about. What a proud father. But then there's the fa final famous portion. Some of you have heard it dozens of times. Some of you have probably heard it hundreds of times over the course of your lifetime. I just ask again, as I will each and every year, for you to hear it with new ears. Your eyes have been opened to very interesting things this year. You can see this world in a new way this year. Would you take a moment and look at this story with those new eyes and see what God might reveal to you, a new heart, a renewed spirit, a renewed longing for God's presence in your life. Maybe hear these words as if for the first time, because in a lot of ways we're living in a very different world than we were last year when we gathered. Choose your role and watch the story unfold in your mind's eye. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married him and was with child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
Many people are lonely right now. That was a lonely night for that couple. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, just as they always did. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It will be for all the people, but tonight, gentlemen, it's just for you. Think of that. Think of that. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go. Let's get into Bethlehem and see what this thing is that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And they found Mary, and they found Joseph, and they found the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, it's a throwaway line, but this is so huge. She treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. She did not understand, nor could she, everything that would unfold from this evening forward. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Here we are, right here. Right now, imagine there, standing there with the shepherds, being the first ones to see this holy child, having no concept of who he truly was and how this would all play out, but to know that they had been given this sign from God and everything that miraculous event had shared with them was absolutely true. They left the scene, those shepherds did. They left glorifying God, crazy spiritual praise and worship as they went and told every single person they knew about what had happened while they praised God. And so I ask you, when you leave here tonight, how will you leave? Will you leave the scene like the shepherds did? The same story just unfolded before your very eyes, whether the first time or the hundredth time. But you will leave this room with the same knowledge that those shepherds had, only you got an added bonus. Because you know that there's more to the story. He didn't stay a baby. He grew up to become a man. And that man healed the sick and walked on water and forgave sin. And that man lived a perfect, perfect sinless life for you. And then offered that life up in exchange for you. And as a part of tonight, we hope you remember to grab your communion on the way in because we're going to partake of that together here in just a second. Because you have a doubly uh, an even greater reason to rejoice and praise his name as you leave here today, to go and share the good news, not just of Jesus' birth that started there, but as of his death and his burial and his resurrection and what that means for you today 
and for all eternity. So if you would, take a moment as we pause in this busy holiday season and prepare for the night and mornings that lie ahead. And some of us have very difficult challenges ahead in the next even few hours. But we have a moment here to celebrate why this baby came. So if you would take that bread as I pray. Father God, we thank you for the coming of your son. We thank you for this decision that was made before the creation of man, knowing this would be the only way to restore us into a right relationship to you. You knew how badly we would mess up. You knew how much we would, would mess up our lives, the sins we would commit, the things we would do wrong, and yet you agreed from the very beginning for this plan to come through. And it all began on that night in Bethlehem. As that father, that child was born, and ultimately would become a man who made that decision to offer up his body, to be broken for us. Father, to offer up that body whose blood was shed for each and every one of us to cover our sins, to be able to wash us whiter than snow, Father, to be able to put us back into that manger scene as a spotless infant before your eyes. Father, we may never forget that blood that was shed. Father, as we move into these last few phases tonight, when we do leave here in a few minutes, may we leave this place rejoicing and sharing the word that your son has been born for anyone who will listen. And that he was born, as the song said earlier, he was born to die. Which is a beautiful, beautiful thing for each and every one of us to claim. Because he didn't stay. Deceased. Father, he rose from that grave three days later. And may every Christmas we remember you came for me. You came for me. And give ears to anyone that would hear that you came for them as well. In Jesus' name we pray.